Welcome to Without Regret. My name is Anonymous Wolf, and these are my stories. I drove a van for a number of years. The 1975 Ford Econoline 150. Three speeds on the column. Not what your typical young person drives these days, but that's what I drove. This was in the late 70s on into the early 80s. And at one point, I decided that I was going to sell that van. Now, the people who are looking for a van in mid-80s were not the same people who were driving vans in the 70s. These were people who were a little more transient, people who were maybe using the van to live in it. It was a difficult time. So I had a van for sale, and I got a call responding to the ad of somebody wanting to purchase this van, but they were moving through town very, very quickly. They said they had a few minutes to stop, take a look, make the transaction, and move on. I didn't question this. I didn't know where they were going. I didn't know where they came from, but I had the van for sale, and I needed to sell it. I had recently purchased another car, not a great car. But it wasn't a van. I was tired of driving a big van around as a daily vehicle with three speeds on the column. So this van was sold to this family driving through town in a sort of beat-up sedan. And when I met him, he didn't drive it. He started it up. It started. He said, it's fine. We agreed upon a price. I believe I was asking $1,200 for the van. Not a huge amount of money even back then. The van worked well, had good tires, great motor. I maintained it perfectly. It was going to last a long time. So this guy said, I've got $1,000. Will you take $1,000? I said, no, I need $1,200. It's a little bit. Less thousand dollars than twelve hundred, but it's still less, and the van was worth actually a little more. I just needed to get rid of it, so I'm asking twelve hundred bucks. And the guy says, "Well, I'll give you a thousand dollars and pick anything you want out of my trunk." He pops open his trunk. It's loaded with tools. It's loaded with hardware of all kinds. I don't know where this guy got this stuff. He's got a wife in the front seat. He's got a couple of scrappy kids in the back seat. And I noticed that he's got a holster with a handle of a gun sticking out. I said, I'll take that. And he pulled it out and he handed it to me. He says, okay. I said, deal. I signed over the pink slip. Off he went. Drove the van away. Wife drove away the scrappy kids. And here I am. I'm standing there with a leather sort of holster that you put on your belt. It's got engraving in it that's kind of like a like a cowboy on a bucking horse. It's just very rodeo, very childlike almost. And I pulled the gun out. It's a nickel-plated 38 special with a six-inch barrel. It's a serious gun. And I hadn't had handguns before. I just thought, Cool, now I have a gun. 
it never occurred to me as in any of the things that I'm going to tell you that I should do something differently than I did. It never occurred to me that I need to register this gun. I had no idea what the laws were in gun transfer. I didn't know if I could accept this gun. It never even occurred to me. The guy said, I got a thousand bucks in a gun and I good deal done. Off we go. So now I've got this gun and I've had 22 rifles in the past and I've shot other rifles, but I'd never had a handgun. So I'm pretty excited. So I decided I'm going to go down to um, this area that's near a body of water. And I called a friend of mine and I said, hey, what are you doing? I'm just hanging around. I said, I got a new gun. Let's go shoot it. Now, this area where we went was an area that as kids, we used to go down and shoot BB guns. It was a sort of wide open, open space uh, against some hills. There's lots of broken glass where people had shot with BB guns in the past. It was just kind of a place. People went down there with their bow and arrows, whatever you got, and you needed a sort of secure, safe place to discharge this stuff. Here it was, but it was next to this body of water and next to some train tracks. So at this point, I'm 26 years old. I'm not a kid, but in my mind at this point now, it feels like I'm a kid. I was a kid, but I was 26. Friend of mine was 28, 29. Um, we both had jobs. We both had homes. We both had everything young people have as they're moving through and entering a career. But we also had this thing, this gun. We also had a commonality of where we're from and what we do and the decisions we make. And why we make those decisions were often the same. So I have this gun. He's with me. We go down. We set up a couple cans we find. And we start firing this gun at the cans against this big hillside. No danger of anybody getting hit. This gun is loud. I haven't fired a thirty-eight Special before. I hadn't fired handguns, really. So... We didn't have any eye protection. We didn't have any hearing protection. Um, so you fire six rounds out of this gun at close proximity to your head as you're extending your arm to fire this gun, and it's loud, and you've got ringing in your ears. It sort of feels like in the old days when you used to go to a nightclub or a concert and you didn't wear hearing protection and they were playing some loud music, and you heard that ringing all night long while you were sleep, trying to sleep. This gun was very loud. So after a few rounds, five, six, seven, ten rounds, I don't know however many I had, because the guy also gave me a bunch of ammunition. I didn't buy any. He just gave me boxes of shells. Now, keep in mind, I have no idea where this gun came from. I don't know if it had been used in crimes before, if it was ever actually acquired legally there's a serial number on it, but I don't know anything about acquiring, shooting, owning handguns. So I'm firing at the cans and my ears are ringing. I can't hear a thing. He's trying to talk to me and I can't hear him. I'm just looking at him, shaking my head. And I see this look on his face of seriousness, very seriousness. And I'm thinking that why is he so serious? We're just shooting a gun. And he's kind of looking past me. 
So I turn around, and there's a guy standing about 100 feet away. And he's standing there, and he's holding a gun. And I see him, and I recognize it. And I thought, well, this is odd. He's kind of wearing a suit. And he's got a car that he's pulled down this kind of dirt road that we weren't able to drive down. But he's there, and he's got a gun. And he's raising it up, and he's pointing it at me. And he's saying something, but I can't hear a word he's saying. That ringing in my ears is really loud, and he's 100 feet away. And we are near a body of water, and we're in kind of this open space. And my friend is trying to tell me something. I can't hear a word he's saying either. And pretty soon, my friend drops down behind this log, and he's hiding. And he's looking up at me, and he's like, come here. And I'm like, what? Finally, I get what he's trying to say. He's telling me to drop the gun. And I look over at the guy, and the guy is pointing the gun at me, telling me to drop the gun. And I'm thinking, uh, no, I'm not doing that because someone's pointing a gun at me, and I have a gun. This is my defense. I'm not going to stand here and be shot by this guy, whoever he is, because I have no idea who he is. So he's yelling. And I'm yelling, no. He's saying, drop the gun. I can now start to make out what he's saying after my friends kind of told me this is what he's heard, and I'm putting two and two together. I'm matching the sounds to the lips, and I'm trying to, and I figured out. He's like, he's yelling at me, drop the gun. And I yell back at him, you drop your gun. And I now I'm pointing my gun at him, and he's pointing his gun at me. And there we stand, the OK Corral. He then opens his car door and gets behind the door. So now he's in a shooting position. Now he's in a, what I would call a, maybe it's defensive, he's behind the door, but it's pretty offensive that he's ready to start doing something different than what he has been doing, which is just yelling at me. It should be noted that I don't take kind to yelling. I never yell at anyone unless I'm in some sort of an altercation. And I don't like to be yelled at. That feels wrong. So this guy yelling at me to drop the gun just leads me to yell at him to drop his gun. So this goes on for quite a while. It feels like an eternity. But in reality, it was probably three minutes, four minutes, which is a long time to be pointing a gun at somebody and having a gun pointing back at you and nobody's firing. But my friend's hiding behind the log, the other guy's hiding behind the door, and I'm out in the open pointing my gun. So my friend is yanking on my pant leg, and he says, he's a cop. And I say, I haven't heard that. He didn't identify himself. I don't know who he is, but he needs to drop his gun. And I guess I was yelling down to my friend because I couldn't hear myself talk very well. And he was yelling up at me and so that I could hear. So I'm yelling back at him. And I guess this guy heard me yelling that. So he holds up a badge. And I see it. And I see that it's a badge. 
But at this point, why would I believe this is a real badge? To me, this is just a guy who came down here and pulled a gun on me. And I'm prepared to do what's necessary to defend myself. And he keeps holding it up. And he's coming out from behind the door, the car door. And I thought, well, he's moving away from the door. He's got the badge. He might actually be a cop. So I lower the gun. I don't put it down on the ground. I lower it. He keeps his gun on me and moves closer. As he gets closer, I can now start to make out what he's saying. And he tells me he's a fishing game officer. And I thought, wow, fishing game officer, dressed like this, in this unmarked car. I've seen fishing game people around when I've been fishing or been at the outdoors. I've never seen one look like this. So he comes forward, and he's brave. I mean, I have to give him credit. I still have a gun in my hand. And he's pointing his at me, but I've lowered mine. I understand that, you know, what he's doing. But I am prepared to do whatever's necessary if he makes any other movement. So as he moves closer, he clearly then identifies himself as fishing game and then says, please drop the gun. So I lay the gun down. And he moves forward. And I say, what's the problem? He says, you can't fire guns here. And I said, I fired weapons, guns, BB guns, thrown rocks, shot arrows in this location for decades. And he said, you can't do that anymore. Times have changed. And I said, okay. And he turned around and he walked back to his car. He didn't take my gun. He didn't ask me anything about the gun. He got in his car and he drove away. And I picked up the gun, unloaded it. We walked back to our car and went away. And I never went back to shoot at that location again. But I realized later how close I was to not only shooting somebody, but being shot myself. Now, this was 1984-ish, 85. Had this been 2020, he probably would have shot. If the minute I pointed the gun at him, as we see in the world now, they will shoot you for reaching anything into your waistband or not doing what they say or, you know, whatever the case may be. I pointed this gun at him. I was ready to fire, and he was ready to fire. I'm standing near a log looking for cover. He's behind the car door. We're yelling at each other. Neither one of us are understanding. It was a recipe for a shootout, and we didn't have one. But it was an interesting day. <laughs>